This morning, we are going to continue our theme on thankfulness. As you can see, overflowing with thankfulness is the title. Um, before we get into that, though, uh, we've talked already about the verse that we're going to look at, Colossians 2. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, or other translations say, so live in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Before we go there, though, um, I don't know about you, but I, I'm so encouraged sometimes how the Lord directs me through his word. Little phrases kind of catch me. So I, I want to just share a little bit about my journey of how I got to this passage. As most of you know, we are studying the book of Jonah in our discipleship groups. And over this past couple weeks, one particular theme has stuck out to me, and that is the grace of God. We see Jonah, this whining prophet, who was told, commanded to obey him. And not only did he not just disobey, but he went the opposite direction. And God, in his grace, chased after him. Chased after him and brought him into the water by the sailors throwing him out. By his grace, he actually, God rescued the sailors. And by God's grace, he rescued him from the sea by having him swallowed up in a fish. And by God's grace, he kept him alive for three days inside this fish. And by God's grace, he spit him out on the land, alive, again. Notice that God's grace didn't just rescue Jonah so that he could go on his merry way and live wiping off the seaweed and everything else. By God's grace, the Lord called him back to being obedient and to be part of something much greater than himself. God's grace being spread across and bringing this heathen nation, the Ninevites, to himself. Jonah couldn't do anything. He's in this fish. He had no way of getting out. He was right where he deserved. But God, in his grace, intervened. Hmm. That sound familiar? We were all born into a direction. We were on a train that is set straight towards condemnation and a separation from God for eternity. There is nothing that we could do to get off that train. But God intervened. By his grace alone, he intervened and rescued us. So truth in church, I don't grasp this grace. I, I, I've been, I was studying this, and I wrote it down in my journal, and I'm just going, I, am I just fake? That I don't understand this? Does this grace not impact the way I live? Where's the emotion and the joy? And, and it just wasn't there. So as I was praying, and all of a sudden, I guess all of a sudden, however the Lord works, he reminds me of other passages of Scripture that I've studied. In 2 Timothy, Paul's writing to Timothy and said, but you be strengthened in the grace 
of God. And then further, I came to this other passage, 2 Peter 3, 17 and 18. And it says, You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your stability, but grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ. Oh, I need to grow in the grace. Yeah, but what does that mean? So I look back at that verse, and it, Paul, Peter was admonishing that they would not lose their stability. Stability, stability, rooted, rooted, tree, rooted. Hmm. Colossians 2, rooted and built up. I didn't do that. God, it's amazing. Don't leave me up here, but sometimes God just brings you to another passage. You're, you're like, where did that come from? That's where we're at. So before we dive into this passage, I know we've prayed, but let me pray again. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you so much for your grace. I pray that this time right here, Lord Jesus, would be made big, magnified, lifted up. Not my words, but your word would be true, God. Give us a heart of thankfulness. Guide us through your word, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So it's going to be a simple outline today. Who we should be thankful to. Number one. Number two, why should we be thankful? Now there's going to be a lot of reasons that we can list off, but I'm hoping that scripture is going to take us to a couple places. And what does this thankfulness actually look like? So if you haven't already, guess where we're going? Colossians 2, 6 and 7. Now, I have talked on this verse. This verse has a lot of meaning to me. This is at the core for me of discipleship. It is the verse of our discipleship groups. I've actually spoke on it at our members' meetings. I recently taught it to our discipleship group leaders. And it goes something like this. Therefore, as you've received Christ Jesus, so walk in him, rooted and built up and established in the faith, just as you were taught. Make sure you're in God's word. Make sure you're rooted, making sure you're encouraging one another, making sure that you're listening to what other people are teaching. Know the word. That's discipleship. When you listen to a teacher from up here, you ought to be doing two things. One is making sure that they're staying in the context of the scripture and they're not simply just pulling something out of nowhere. But you also need to be aware when they leave something off. There's no period after just as you were taught. But I've used that so often and I've lost this last phrase. Abounding in thanksgiving. Some of our versions say overflowing. So let's walk through this passage. Therefore, what's the therefore? Therefore, therefore, the therefore is pointing us backward. I believe it's pointing us backward beyond just verse 5. It's, it's pointing us back to chapter 1 and 2, and we'll get into that in a minute. Therefore, as you have received, Paul's writing to the Colossians, they have received the gospel from somebody in, in the first part of the chapter, that's Epaphras, who's brought the gospel to them, and they have received Christ. Who have they received? 
Christ Jesus the Lord. Christ Jesus, Messiah, the appointed one, the Savior. Paul uses the word Jehovah, the Old Testament word for Yahweh. So he's bringing in the Old Testament word for God that these people would know. And he takes us, I believe, backward to the first chapter where there's, at least it took me back there, to this poem, or some people call it a hymn. Christ Jesus, who are we to be thankful to? God has revealed himself to us through Jesus Christ. And he states in Colossians 1, Jesus is the image of the invisible God. He came down. Without that, we would not know God. And without Jesus, he is the firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things were created. He is before all things. All things hold together through Jesus Christ. He sustains us in everything. He is the head of the church, universal. And he's the head of this church. He is preeminent. All the fullness of God pleased to dwell in him. This is who we should be thankful to. Sometimes I don't know about you, but I've had a lot of conversations and people will, I've known some non-Christians who are expressed their thanksgiving far more than I do. But sometimes you've got to ask them, who are you thankful to? Oh, I'm, I'm thankful it's a great day. I'm thankful for my new job. And I'm thankful, and you express that. Don't you just want to ask them, but who are you thankful to for those things? We, brothers and sisters, can answer that question. We are thankful to. So let's go on into Colossians. And he goes, therefore, as you receive Christ, so walk in him. Or others' translation, which I like, live in him, continue in him. By his strength, because of who he is, he is the head of the church, he's preeminent, all things sustain. Because of him, of who he is, we can live in him. We don't just meander, although sometimes we do. We don't just wander. We are empowered. We do this for his purpose and his meaning. Now the rest of the verse describes how we are to live in him. Rooted. This is an agricultural term, as you might imagine, trees planting roots down. This, this idea of, it's actually the verb is have been rooted. Steadfast, stable. It reminds me of Jeremiah 17. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. He is like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when he comes, for its leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. Rooted. Because we are rooted, we can live for him. He goes on to say built it or built. Actually, the Greek term is so now being built. Again, this idea of collectiveness. We as a church are being built. Again, if you think of a tree, the roots go down. As the roots go down farther, the tree gets bigger and is built up. 
This is ongoing. One commentator said, it's to finish the structure of which the foundation has already been laid. Being built up on the cornerstone of Jesus Christ. Built and established or strengthened, as some verses say, in the faith. Other translations say, in your faith. I don't think the word actually really matters. I like in the faith. But to confirm, to make sure, to stabilize, just as you were taught. This describes how we are established in our faith by teachers. I don't know about you, but I really am grateful, and it's joyful to be in a Sunday school class and just hearing people teach God's word. He's obviously writing to the Colossians, again, referencing back to the gospel that was taught to them through Epaphras. But if you look forward in Colossians 3, he also tells us that we should admonish one another, teaching one another. So this is not just we only pay attention to people that are up here or in there. It is to teach one another just as you were taught. Discipleship. But again, we go to the next verse, abounding in thanksgiving. So just as all those other components are important to our discipleship, abounding in thanksgiving. This word abounding is like, actually it's like superabounding. It's like overflowing. It's over the top. It's more than we can hold or contain. It is kind of in the same vein of the angels that sing in Revelation 7, amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. It's praise. It's welling. It is just as much a part of our discipleship and sanctification as all the other things that are listed there. I personally have forgotten that many times. Now, as we look at this passage, there's, there's a couple ways to look at it. I believe Paul is also communicating there's something that's being done to us, and there's something that he's encouraging us to continue. Just as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, we can't receive him without his grace. We've already kind of talked about that. We can't do the rooting. He's the one that roots us and grounds us, right? We can't establish or grow our faith even as we were taught because what? He's teaching us out of his word. It is his word that has the power. And as a result of that, he's actually working in us to abound us in thanksgiving. So he's doing some work here that we can't do ourselves. But yet on the other side of this text, he's encouraging us to continue in those things. Continue to be rooted, continue to be strengthened in the faith, and continue and strive to abound in thanksgiving. So we've already talked about why, I mean, who we should be thankful to. Now we want to look at why we should be thankful. I believe Paul at least encouraged me to continue on and the rest of Colossians. I'm not going to read all of 8 through 15. Um, I'll summarize it, but let me just read the first verse. Colossians 2.8. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. 
The Colossians lived in a time where they were under the world view of the Romans and their philosophy, but they were also being attacked by the Judaizers. So they were living in the middle. And he comes out and he says, just as you received Christ, abounding in thanksgiving, see to it that you don't give in to these philosophies. Why? He then goes on, I've got ten of them, just because that was a nice easy number. But he runs through a litany of why we should be thankful. Number one, Jesus is God. We kind of talked about that. For in him, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. The almighty God dwells bodily in Jesus Christ. But more than that, it says, you have been filled in him. We're filled in Christ. We are not lacking anything. Peter tells us that, you know, we've been given everything we need for life and godliness. He says we've been circumcised, not, not according to the flesh, putting off the body of the flesh. We are no longer stoned heart individuals. Our hearts have been turned to flesh. Number four, buried. We have been buried with him in baptism. We've died to sin. Dead people don't sin. The power of sin has been conquered. He then goes on and says, but we've also been raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. These are things to be grateful for. Romans 8, 11, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies also. And he's not just talking physical. He's obviously talking about our spiritual life. Number six, we've been made alive, and you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him. In our discipleship group, we were comparing Jonah with the older son and the prodigal son. Jonah was pretty much dead, curled up inside of a fish, God made alive. And the older son, the father, is rejoicing because what? His younger son was lost and is now found, was dead and is now alive. We have been made alive. We've been forgiven, heaven forgiven us all our trespasses, once for all, to bring you to God. Number eight, the debt has been canceled by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. And finally, this he set aside, nailing it to the cross. It is finished. It is done. There's no Jesus and. Jesus satisfied it all. We should be welling up with thanksgiving for these things. We should be welling up for thanksgiving for the fact that we are not thankful, and yet God forgave us for not being thankful. Now, I do know, and I think others have said it already this morning, there are people here in this church and elsewhere that are in significant trials or pains, whatever. And, and we don't want to make light of that. But, but I don't believe 
the scripture's teaching, and I hope you're not hearing it from me, that just says, hey, why don't you just gird up your loins, stop it, take a cold shower, and be thankful. That's a self-focused gratitude. Just as David brought us the word last week, rejoice. How do we rejoice in the circumstances? How do we rejoice when Prop 3 passed? We only rejoice and we're only thankful because we focus on Christ. Why should we be thankful? Because of, what, of who Christ is and what he's done for us. God is so gracious and kind to help us to remind us of that. So what does thankfulness look like? So I'll give you what came to me was three examples one that's negative, I'm, I'm a guy that, I don't know, don't let me up here, I'm kind of a guy that I need the negative side sometimes to see the right side. The second example kind of has both, a negative and a positive view. And then thirdly, we're going to look at some of the admonitions that Paul gives us, which are more positive. So example number one, Matthew 18, 22 through 28. I'm not going to read that, but I will read some of it to you. Um, most of you, if you turn there, you know that this is about that divinely inspired paragraph heading. Not. The unmerciful servant. I, I personally think that's a mistitle, but Matthew 18, 22 through 28. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and his children and all that he had, and payment be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity, Jonah, pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when the same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, and seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe me. Now, when I've read that passage before, um, I think I've kind of dumbed it down, maybe? Um, okay, I, I get it. I've been given a big debt, and I should forgive those who have sinned against me a little or I think that is a dramatic understatement of what happened here. How many of you, I'm sure you all you know this, so again, this is all part of a reminder that Paul tells and Peter tells us to stir one another. How much is a talent? One talent. 20 years of the average labor. Okay, I'm, I'm not great at math, but I can figure this out. This man owed... 10,000 times 20 years of labor. Side note, I mean, how would the master let that happen? But nonetheless, he couldn't pay that back. Jonah's in the fish. He can't pay that back. I'm on a train to hell. I can't pay that back. This is astronomical debt that he has here. So what is this man's sin? Well, there's probably many, and we could spend you know, hours just on this one parable. I'm prepared to do that, by the way. Um, 
No, but while it says unmerciful, I, I like to peel the onion back a little bit like we do. And I think this man, again, of many other sins, was ungrateful. He did not understand the magnitude of his debt. Number two, he did not understand the enormity of the grace that was given to him. Once again, that sounds very familiar. What is the fruit of ungratefulness that we see in this passage? Anger, cruelty, callousness, lack of compassion, hard-heartedness. Oh, Lord, work in us that we would not be like that. I need a transformation of thankfulness that I would not behave this way. But I confess, I've looked at my life and I go, why do some of these things really bother me? You ever wonder why you get so wrapped around the axle on certain things? Just such an ungrateful heart and forgetting what God has done, what people have done. That's a negative example. The second example, turn with me to Luke 17, 11 through 19. Now, normally, 90% is a great thing. Normally, 9 out of 10 is something that I would put a lot of money on. Probably familiar with this story. On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee, as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Again, by way of reminder, lepers in that time, they were taken from their family. They were removed generally from their jobs. They were removed from their neighborhoods of where they lived, and they were removed from their community of faith. The only community that the lepers had is with other lepers. Jesus says, notice he doesn't go talk to them, or at least we're not told that here. He doesn't go over and touch them. He doesn't continue a dialogue. He says to them, go to the priests. We should give all ten credit here that they all did that. They all by faith started walking to the priests. Why to the priests? The priests were the only ones who could declare them clean. The priests were the only ones that could tell them they could go back to their family, to their jobs, to their neighborhoods, and be part of the community of faith. So can you picture them as they're walking, going to the priests, and the scales are starting to fall off their hands, and they're like... And I would imagine, I don't think... I don't think that these people, all ten, were not grateful. You had to be somewhat thankful for what just happened, right? 
And now they're going to the priest. They're, again, they're going to the priests. Their mind is focused on going to the priest. I got a one-track mind. I'm going to the priests. I'm going to the priest because he can cleanse me. I can go back and do all these things. I'm going to the priests. I was told to go to the priests. But one, one turns around, turns back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. What's the difference? Well, there's probably many differences in this, and again, another sermon could be held. But I will tell you, the thing that stuck out to me was gratitude needs to be expressed. This one came back and expressed the deep praise and gratitude. The other nine did not. Now, you can go into were they really thankful. You can kind of get churned around that. But just allow me to bubble the top a little bit. The difference between the nine and the one is they, he went back and expressed his gratitude. Thankfulness. Church, we need to express it. We need to vocalize it. We need to do something with it. Thankfulness is not, as we're about to see, meant to stay internal. And finally, the last example. So we're going to look at some of Paul's words. First, in his words and his prayers. And then secondly, in serving and giving. 1 Corinthians 1.4 I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given in Christ Jesus. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given in Christ Jesus. Now we studied the book of 1 Corinthians as a church. We know what this church is like. Divisive, suing one another, profaning the Lord's table, participating in and tolerating sexual immorality. The list goes on. The Corinth church, the carnal church, has always been the example to the church of what a church should not be. But Paul writes at the very beginning, I give thanks to my God for you. Not because you're going to change and because you're going to do everything right. I thank my God always for you because of the grace that was given to you. Now Paul does this again and again in other letters. In Philippians 1.3, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you with joy for your partnership in the gospel. Romans 1.8. I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is proclaimed. Have you ever, and unfortunately it's probably a rarity, have you ever had anybody come up to you and say, I thank my God for you? What that does is that takes away any self of the person receiving as well as the person giving. I thank my God for you. 
because of the grace that is working in you, because of what God is doing. I thank my God for you. I've had a couple people say it in that way, and I tell you, that was really encouraging. My flesh would go, I'd really much rather you say, I thank you for the eloquence and the way that you organize, or the blah, 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 and how you, I'd much, my flesh would want that. But God works through that, and it just shattered that. And I was deeply encouraged. So I just encourage us that we need to express this gratitude. Again, Paul is expressing it. He's expressing the grace part as the thankful part to a church that is carnal, and he needs to correct. Finally, Paul takes us to some categories of serving and giving. 2 Corinthians 4.15 For it is all for your sake, so does grace extends to more and more people. It may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. The context of this, Paul is sacrificing himself for the sake of the Corinthians, for his sake and for their sake, so that what? so that grace may be extended to more and more people. What is the outflow of that? Thanksgiving to the glory of God. When we give ourselves, grace is extended. And when grace is extended, thanksgiving is and should be overflowing and growing. One way to glorify the Lord is to give him thanks and praise. And then finally, 2 Corinthians 9, 11, and 12. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of the service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but it is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. Let me read that again in the second part. For the ministry of this service, in this context, again, Paul is talking about churches that are giving money to take to help other churches. The cheerful giver portion is right before this. For the ministry of this service is not simply supplying needs, which we are to do, which we should do joyfully and cheerfully. The ministry of the service is not simply supplying the needs of the saints, but it is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. When we serve, when we give, is it not true the people who gave money that we might be in this auditorium. How thankful is it? And when we come here to worship, praise and thanksgiving are being raised up to God, partially because other people have given and met a need that happened. Ultimately, the glory and the thanksgiving were given to the Lord. So, so what? While I believe that Scripture 
has individual applications. Let us not forget that Paul is writing this Colossians passage to a church. He is encouraging the church by way of reminder. He's encouraging us. He's encouraging gratitude. We should sing with gratitude. By the way, I'm so encouraged. I believe that we do. I look around when we sing. I hear the voices from behind me and the voices, sometimes I can actually hear them in front of me, but not very often. Singing with gratitude. We should pray with gratitude. We should preach with gratitude. We should give and serve with gratitude as a church. And how do we do that? We encourage one another to do that individually. Secondly, remember who you are thankful to. I don't about you, but I often have the tendency in my sinful nature of wanting again. You, you can thank me. It's really okay. We need to remind one another to thank God for you and for the grace that he's given. Remember why. There's a lot of reasons, and I'm not saying that we should not, we should overlook the thankfulness that things do for us, and the little things. Kids, you should still say thank you. Adults, we should still say thank you. But ultimately, we say those things because we know who we should be thankful to and why we should be thankful. And finally, express it. I know that I need to be better at that. And I just want to encourage, express the gratitude. Are we quick or slow to express gratitude? Even in the simplest or in the big ways of I thank my God for you. When you pray for people, thank the Lord for them and for his grace that is being extended to them. Thankful for the grace of God that has brought you all here. It is by his grace that you all are saved, that I am saved, that he's done this imaginable, extraordinary thing by rescuing us from hell. And by the way, if you are here today and you have not made that profession in Christ Jesus as the only means for your salvation and have not accepted the glorious grace, the compassion, the love of that is given to us through Christ. Today is a great day. If you would like to talk to somebody, there will be people up here after the service. Find somebody. Talk to the neighbor next to you. We thank God that you are here. We pray that you would come to see Jesus for who he is. So let us not leave here today, as is my often tendency... The message is not, let's leave here today on such an ungrateful sloth. I just, oh, here's another thing that I haven't done right. Okay, let's see, I didn't give, I didn't do that, and now you're telling me I'm not giving thanks right. That's not the message. The message is we are overflowing with thankfulness because of what God has done, because of Jesus. Make him big. 
Rejoice in the Lord in the midst of things that are not going the way that we would want them to go. So let me pray, and then we're going to sing our last song. Father, thank you. Thank you for your abundant, amazing grace. We are so undeserving, and yet you are so lavish of your grace to us. Thank you that you have made us alive. Once your enemies, now we are seated at your table. Father, thank you for your word that guides us through that, that Jesus Christ, the Lord, the Savior, that you have preached that to us, you have taught us, you are working in us. Grow us up as a church that we might praise you with overflowing thankfulness. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stay standing for the benediction, but I'm sorry, I'm just having a little hard time digesting after that song. So thank you. Overflowing with gratitude. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling in ingratitude and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen.